Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. My God. Uh, he's going to start. We are now recording <laughs> Cobras and Fire All right. with Bryn and Jason. Cobras and Fire, a Pantheon podcast. And this week, my plus one is Bryn from Flip. Might fall down, blinded by passion. Yeah, we could paint the town. And more I can imagine, you can make it happen. Bryn from Flip. Welcome to Cobras and Fire. My Welcome. name is Baco. Your name is Bryn. And, uh, Bryn, Bryn Arns. What are the odds that my name is Bryn and my name is Bryn? Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not great at math, but I'm going to say nor 70. Am nor am I. I realized really early on, I think it might have been kindergarten, when I realized I counted to four for the first time in a band down the hall started playing, so I never really bothered going past that. Uh, well, I'm glad to thank. Hey, man, thanks for swinging by and doing this. Uh, we had a lot of fun last time you were on, so this is going to be, I don't know, just more fun. I do have a little surprise for you, and it's not my cat. Hi, sweetie. Uh, I had this made for today. You're kidding me, dude. That's t- badassery. And we're I total thought, and complete badassery. So for the people I listening, sent you the full. How did you? It looks fantastic. I would have sent you the full size. Yeah. Uh. You know, file, oh yeah, no, this file is of that printable. But I've, it looks still even with that. It looks great. Yeah, I just grabbed this off Facebook. So it's the album for people listening. This is the album cover. I just kind of had it, it. You know, it looks like a game board. Well, that's what the the art is. It is a game board. I thought we could actually play while we t- speak today. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh-huh. You beat the pinball game like to a all right nth degree. Let me move my person. <laughs> 
So, um, well, what, you Jason, know, this is outstanding. Yeah, I'm glad you like it. Uh, now, the, the I don't. What it doesn't seem like there's so a lot of many rules things to this, are right? going to be revealed. So many things are going to be revealed here. This is <laughs> my cat wants to play. You nailed it. You nailed it. Which color do you want, orange or purplish blue? I'll take orange because I can see it easier. Okay, you go ahead. Roll first. We'll get started, and then we'll I'll start asking you. We're using two die. So I get one, a two, seven. Three, four, five, six, six seven. Which four. puts me on a red tile that says what? Kilo runs out of weed, lose a turn. All right. Let's, well, do you want to hear something about that? Oh. All these tiles are 100% fact and have come from Absolutely. My life, What's the story which here? Which is why I say you nailed this. This is real stuff. Um, often, if we would get to rehearsal oh. in the early. We're good. Oh. oh I just don't want to keep mine. I didn't know you were taking off your headphones. I thought percent would, uh, perhaps we were glitching. Early in our career, if we went to rehearsal with Kilo at the Sound Gallery and there was no weed, we would literally not do anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. So I I would lose that turn. I lose a turn. So he, yeah. Yeah. So that's the story behind that tile. I got a five. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, Bryn drops pants, lose a turn. So we both just lost a turn. We all know about that, right? <laughs> well, or maybe not. I yeah, don't sure. know. We were playing the Edge Fest. We were the, an opening act. We had been together, I don't know how long, really a short period of time, a few months. And we opened up the show, and it was kind of Woodstock-esque with the mud. And people started just pummeling us with mud so i figured well there's no i mean guitar necks were getting hit by your hands the strings were becoming muffled there's no nothing going on here that can be musical anyway (laughs) so i just turned my back to the audience grabbed my mic with me pulled my pants down and said here's something to throw at and i literally ended up standing in it like a mound of mud and it was badass (laughs) <laughs> a mound of mud. Mound um, of mud. Well, uh, you, you have a new album coming out. We're going to get into that here. I do uh, some some things. I, th- I thought it'd be kind of interesting to kind of pick your brain. Is I don't have to bore you with the story of each tile. No, we we'll, we'll continue to play. Game, no, no, game. we're going to continue to play, and we're going to you're going to tell the stories each. I did not know each tile had a story, so that's even better. Uh, so absolutely, they're all autobiographical. Yeah. All of those tiles, but we're going to. But we both lost a turn now, so I don't know who gets to go. <laughs> See. <laughs> Did we? Is the game over? <laughs> yes. Did we really? Did that just happen? Yeah. We both just so nobody can go, right? <laughs> Too dumb to quit, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You have found, maybe you haven't noticed this, but you just found a major secret of the de- the design of this game. Hmm. Uh, do tell, me. so to Do speak. tell, enlighten me, yes. I'm afraid, I'm afraid to like do it because I kind of want to let people try to experience it maybe, but that you can't win. You might notice. Oh, I figured that out. Okay, yeah. There's, there's no, no good. Uh, there's tile. not even in an end tile. There's nowhere yeah. to end. Well, it's it never like Monopoly, ends. I figure. You just keep, yeah. It oh, never ends. Too dumb to quit. Yes. All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah, I know a little bit. Obviously, I know your, your brother Kai. How big was your, your family uh, growing up? Six people total. Uh, with two parents, okay, mom and dad, and where and did you fall in Mother's line? Day. One through no, four. Tomorrow. I am second of four. Okay, 
Now, uh, older brother, myself, a younger sister, and a younger brother. In a wealthy family, yes? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. The reason I ask, like, you know, getting into music, obviously, it, it's fucking expensive to be a musician. It, oh, you know, and back in the, in the early 60s, access was everything. Access dictated the, the cost. I mean, you had to buy these $25, which was a lot, uh, guitars at Kresge's or Sears or Montgomery Ward's. You would buy these guitars that were, I think, all made by the same manufacturer with these stores' brands on them. It was, uh, and the strings were always higher off the neck. The access to like a Fender Squire today that you can get on a daily basis on your local Craigslist for, I'll just call it $100, give or take, yeah. on a daily basis outweigh the guitars that the people of my generation learned to play on. By It's just crazy, really, to be honest. And the access, they were hard to find. You had to mine for them. I had to Westone. Do you remember Westone guitars? Vaguely. Okay. Well, I lived in a town called Oatana, and there was no like uh, guitar center. They or... were a metal guitar with a six on a side headstock, if I remember right. Kind of the pointy headstock. Westone and a pointy. Um. Yeah, it was like a, a Fender kind of shape. Uh, they were all like an SG meets a Strat or yeah. something, right? I had one. It cost me four hundred dollars. It was not worth four hundred fucking bucks. Oh, good lord, no! Yeah, it was paper route money. That's ten months of paper route to fucking really? pay for that. Um, but uh, what, what did you do for like, what, what was your early jobs that you would do to, to kind of get money to, to buy s- fucking strings were but a deal. It, it was getting strings was an ordeal. I would ride my bike to places to get to strings. I would ask my parents to give me a ride to the two or three or actually there was a lot more guitar, independent guitar stores back then, but it was harder to get to them because nobody had a driver's license or anything even yeah. close to that. When I started, we would order things from the Sears catalog and the other place oddly enough you could back then you could get certain odds and ends was a radio shack oh. place called radio mm-hmm. shack yeah, that I'd... sold uh consumer electronics i don't understand how that didn't stay in business i mean it just it it was such a need for all these little things that you can't get fucking anywhere now but amazon uh, you know, and it's just like fuck it, it, it's and you know like all these cables and shit. I don't know. Whatever. I know. Um, uh, well, then, basically, uh, when did you, like, wh- what, how old were you when you realized this is probably going to be the rest of your life? That's a really tough tell. But at the latest, seventh grade, at the earliest, fifth grade. Hmm. Well, that puts me at sixth grade, doesn't it? <laughs> just on an average? On an hey, average. look, hey, we are, we're better at math than we just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, somewhere in there, it was really early on. I mean, to the point where when I was super young and my family would go to church, church, um, John Jovanovich, church. And um, a new thing back then was folk music revivals and it would be three people with acoustic guitars playing kumbaya and michael row your boat ashore and things of those nature and even at that really early point i was just transfixed on the guitar and how do they do that 
and watching the shapes and the strumming patterns and seeing rhythm and just seeing how, and I was just totally turned on by it. All That was like the earliest I can remember. Hmm. When did you become a Kiss fan? <laughs> First album, I got it a week before it came out on yeah. Columbia House Records. It That's was, weird. you'd get back then, you could get advanced copies of things. I wasn't the one who got it. A guy named Johnny Johnson got it and uh, turned us all on to it. But it started out, it was literally like on Columbia House Records. It was listed as, and the way they did it back then, if you bought a record on the inside of the record on the sleeve, which they ended up outlawing, on the paper sleeve you would see little albums of releases, coming upcoming releases. The labels would advertise upcoming different that, albums. They made that illegal? Buy that, yeah, it became illegal to do that. And That's weird. <clears throat> the artists revolted. And, the, you know, like if it was your album and you're advertising other artists, that seems a little cross, bizarre. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, so the, and they want it, and they want it. But it was so, that was the early version of, if you like this, you might like this. <laughs> so my friend Johnny Johnson, who had also turned us all on to the Alice Cooper group, right, I mean, the minute Killers came out, which was, what, 71, um, we were deep into it. So, yeah, then he got the first Kiss record, and uh, I heard it a week before it came out. When did you stop liking Kiss? <laughs> I'm in and out. Yeah. I'm like everybody with everything. Yeah. Um, I don't have a Kimbo Kiss pinball machine like you do. I would, yeah. I would love one though. Who I mean, really, who who in the world wouldn't? Yeah, that's pretty cool. I got I, I got I rid can of. Tell you my least favorite. I think I can get close. I, it's funny. My least favorite, maybe Kiss time periods, are hard for me to come up with because if I didn't like it, I didn't pay attention. So I kind of don't know what they are. Oh, gotcha. Uh, like uh, Dynasty, Unmasked Elder, that era? Dynasty, there's a lot of stuff on there I loved. And I really liked Sure Know Something when it when that album came out. Um, I liked Hard Times a lot when that album came out. Um, what I really didn't care for was She's So European. Hmm. That was a dive for me. Um, that period, the Unmasked period, was a dive for me. Um. I know I liked Revenge. Uh, yeah. And Bob Ezrin was one of the guys you sent an Oddfathers uh, cassette pack to, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. Mm. You ever Have you ever actually done any work with Bob? Or? Well, just that, no. Okay. Well, and then, yes, which was also, well, I guess so, because I was requested to send him music for an upcoming Alice Cooper thing. Excuse me, I'm I'm gassy. And I have this song called <laughs> When I'm Alone, and it's really creepy. Uh, I'm not the same when I'm alone In my desolate world alone Boom, boom, psh, boom, 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 That kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And it, Bob loved it. I, I, they might have, for all I know, they might have recorded it. But he called me afterwards, and he's asking me, "Man, what was the effect you used on your voice? It's just incredible. Was that the, 
Yamaha 1972 PX390. Did I hear a liner in there somewhere? <laughs> and I said, no, Bob, what I, what I did was I fanned my hand in front of my mouth, between my mouth and the microphone like this. And I said this to him over the phone. I said, I'm not the same when I... And he didn't be, he didn't believe me and thought I was trying to pull a fast one on him and wouldn't tell him what piece of gear I was using for. And I sensed a, just a tinge of him getting, like, upset at me about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, it's hard to tell how when a Canadian gets upset. You know what I mean? Uh, so, you know, they're a little mild-mannered, so he probably was... And I was hyper, like, sensitive because it's Bob Ezrin for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, so... I, My interpretation I, isn't valid. I like uh, I like that approach. I I have a song called uh, "Oh Devil Where Art Thou," and <laughs> I was looking for a certain sound, and I found it while sticking my finger, and that gave me kind of altered my voice. But I I couldn't really sing that way, so I found like a cat toy, a little rubber ball, just smaller than a ping pong ball, stuck it in my cheek, yes, and that did the effect, and it kind of gave me an old dabbles. And so Neat. I kind of I, I appreciate that. You actually that. physically altered yourself, right? Interesting to make a different sound. That's an interesting idea. That's kind of, Tony Iommi did that too, if I'm not mistaken, with his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> You were highly influenced by Tony Iommi, I believe. <laughs> you know, there's no doubt. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that's a... I'm wearing a Black Sabbath shirt, but... Uh, oh, and what are the odds? What, yeah. What, uh, <laughs> we literally, if we wanted to play more Too Dumb to Quit, yeah, board game edition, we... Uh, yeah, well, I think we've both missed We have turn. to start over, don't we? Or do we? I think so. All right, let's go back. Because we got we froze, didn't we? Yes, we both we didn't win. Or did we, we just can't win? So I got a three on purple. So or, I mean, Jerry orange. gets on stage. It's electrical shock on stage. Go back to. We are setting up at the beginning <laughs> of a show, and. Um, there's a light that needs to be moved, and Cherry's trying to be nice to the light guy, and he's got his bass on, and the guy asks him to move the light, and it's just sitting like on a drum riser, like an open, old-fashioned par can, yeah. big, big, massive thing. Just move it over a foot or something, really. So, hey, hold on, I'm coming down. I'm going to move that par can on the drum riser over a foot. Cherry's like, oh, I got it. And he grabs it and just, yeah. Oh, could have been a goner. But you, you're not done, though. Somebody somebody literally nailed him. You had to go back, too. So now we have promoter steals money, and you have to start over. Well, that's self <laughs> I think that's self-explanatory. Yeah. I, I think anybody who's been in a band long enough has yeah. experienced that. And we don't know if steals is actually the right word. All right. Look at that. I'm already back to the beginning. Oh, <laughs> this game. It uh, takes great patience and perseverance. Uh, word, did I say that right? Perseverance. Uh, on stage, feather pillow fight, lose, lose tour. tour. I, I don't know what that means for me, but tell the story. We were on tour with Evanescence. Oh. And the first night in St. Louis sold out. Great room. And we did our after show pillow fight. And... Um, 
We literally had leaf blowers and shop vacs to clean this up, and our guys could clean it up like nobody's business. The stage was spick and span pretty much. Yeah. Flat feathers everywhere else. I mean, literally feathers everywhere else. And we get done with the show, and we, we killed them, and the crowd just loved us. We just we did a fantastic show and really went off huge, and we're walking back to our bus, and the road manager, Cole Cox, my road manager, Sean Walgren, in the back of a head with a closed-fisted punch. Bill of Coin happened to be with us on that particular show. It was the kickoff for the tour. and um, <clears throat> so This is the first show of the tour. Yeah, it was the okay. first show right. of the tour. We got kicked off that night. <laughs> and Bill, I remember talking to the agent on the telephone in the back lounge of the bus and, and saying to the agent, well, you said what you wanted was a rock and roll band to open up for him, right? And Bill was handled it so, like, impressively. Like, just he handled it so perfectly because he was 100% correct. But we got kicked off the tour, and it was literally like uh, Danny Goldberg put us on the tour, and it was literally like right when Evanescence had whatever the name of their hits are. Bring was. Me Back to Life or something yeah. like that. And the real issue, without question, was the fact that good luck following this. I know that's what really happened. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of stories of that kind of stuff, and I've never seen Evanescence live. I'm guessing it's a more subdued show than a flip show, and it probably wasn't just the pillow fight. It was probably everything else that was going on from beginning to end. Uh, a very entertaining band. Uh, yeah, we pulled a lot of onstage shenanigans, but as far as total professionalism showing up on time, our crew's always being tough at the very top of the heap and all together on everything. We've always had the best, I mean, you know, the best road guys there is with us. We were, uh, no, we ran it like a perfectly, we ran it great. We weren't a bunch of skirt-chasing, drugged-out knuckleheads. That's not what Flip was at all. We were uh, we were on it, on it, on it. We were spot on it. But the funny thing was is we would pull these on stage shenanigans and we would get all the world's biggest managers in the world because we'd make some kind of splash and then we'd do the next one and they couldn't handle it and they'd quit. <laughs> uh, I have to ask everybody I talk to nowadays because it's a fucking thing, but how about backing tracks? You guys use a bunch of those? <laughs> no. No, quite the opposite. There's There were members of the band that we made sure weren't plugged in. <laughs> no, if anything, we were subtractive in that in that matter. All right. <laughs> Kai, Kai might not have always, his guitar might not have always been plugged in. Have you ever canceled a, a show to watch a basketball game? No. <laughs> no. I don't know if you heard about that, but uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, fucking country guy, uh, Eric Church. Uh, he w canceled like four days before a Saturday show. He canceled it so he could watch the final well, four. That's his prerogative, I guess, isn't it? We yeah. can make our own assessment on that and move forward. Yeah, anybody who listens that. to our show has heard me bitch about that enough. So I just, uh, I was adding that for your clarity. You got to run a show's coming up with Ace Freely. The, you got any big surprises planned for that? I think it's surprises. starting next weekend. You know, we got to, you don't really plan a surprise, do you? Maybe you do. Um, 
we're very spontaneous and the the little uh treadmill with the hamster in it is always running that that has the words on it what if what if what if so it's a never ending process so surprises i'm sure there's never a time where there isn't one so to speak but um so yeah yeah I, there's a there's a number of things in the hamster wheel now his band uh there's there these guys out of Nashville do you happen to know them i mean they're really fucking well, phenomenal really quite well i know jeremy and Philip really well. Unfortunately, Philip won't be there with the dates that we're playing. And of course, um, one of my heroes, Night Bob, is their front of house. Oh, uh, you know, guy and all around road manager esque guy. And um, he was Flip's tour manager for quite a period. And so that's going to be awesome. So he's going to actually be mixing us for these shows. So we're going to get a killer mix. Yeah. And Night Bob and I talk quite often on the, you know, on the messenger video phone. And um, I, that, you know, that's a big part of it for me. And actually, he's been really helping me out with, because uh, there's a really good chance we'll be doing more A shows after this, too. Right on. Really good chance. But Night Bob is helping me out which with, with what venues he likes, you know, he has an affinity for, um, and then suggests those venues to me. So we're fortunate in that I'm kind of picking the shows based on some of the recommendations of the classic value of some of the venues. Right on. And why not? I mean, dude, I'm 61 years old. At this point... The whole question changes. The question used to be, is this gig, you know, financially viable? How do we, what are, what are, you know, merch, we need this. You know, what are all the angles? We need this, that, and everything, all the angles you can imagine. And now today for a rock and roll band worth its salt, it's really, okay, you're 61 years, you're 61 years. If you don't do it and you can do it, and I'm here to tell you, folks, Flip can frickin' do it. Check out the new album, Flip, Too Dumb to Quit. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing we've ever done, without question. Um, as a whole, the for whole, I mean, I love a lot of classic songs. That's a hard statement to make, but it's, the, it's, the, it's a great record. You're going to love it. And... Um, so, yeah, there you have it. I went off on a tangent there. I just brain farted. Now, coffee drink. How you doing, buddy? Uh, too Dumb to Quit seems like a, a good transfer. To, let's play another uh, roll again. Okay, roll again. Yeah. I'm rolling the two dice. I roll a six, seven, eight, nine. So glad he was moving it for me. Sound guy blows the power. Start over. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, Jovanovich. Gum. What's the story here? Gum. Oh, that there's too many. I won't even tell one individual okay. story. I could just. How about if randomly throughout the rest of this talk, I just like you'll hear me spurt out names in the background. Those are all the different people that that happened with. Sounds good. I got it. Gum. A what kind of eleven? It's like I don't even know what. What is a fucking eleven? Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, show up to the wrong venue, <laughs> lose game. Hey, there's an end. It happened, uh, and I don't really remember a whole lot about it other than we were at the wrong place at the wrong time. 
like a day too early at the wrong club. <laughs> so it but did. we were we we were the reason it doesn't stand out super great is anything traumatic because it wasn't. It would not, it, we actually had more time than we thought. And we just had to go to the other side of town. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what? But what is what is the? I have you I, lost I, the game because yeah, of nothing. You won. That is the perfect. That is the perfect rock and roll act. Antidote, is that right? Antidote. Yeah, yeah. Act, didn't do. Let's talk about the record a little bit. Um, you know, you never really came across as much of a a gear guy, but you clearly have to use some kind of stuff. Uh, what, what kind of I've become one? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit. Are, are you using your Coyote exclusively, oh, or what? Yes. You, yep. And then what do you plug it into? Do you just custom. There, on the album, there are two amplifiers I use. One is called a custom two hundred amplifier. It is a uh, two-channel, four knobs per channel, uh, like a bright bass treble and volume, solid-state power, with a 4 by 12 custom PA cabinet. It is uh, vertical 4 by 12 not a square cabinet with two and two, so it's, you know, 12-inch on top of 12-inch stacked which is so much more sense than having four speakers blowing at your waistline. Yeah. They're literally at, at, your, at perfect ear level like a PA is designed to be. Um, it just <laughs> dumbfounds me. Like, everything should be like that. Yeah. And 200-watt head, solid state, like, peak to peak. So it's really, they're really 100 watts, and they're not even 100 watts. And I've been using them for years. I've had over a hundred of them, um, different custom amplifiers. I'm a custom amplifier nerd. And then the other amp I work used quite a bit is called a Barclay. It's a solid state combo with a uh, six inch speaker in it hmm. that my wife got on Craigslist neighborhood free. Okay. <laughs> Now, this sounds like your kind of gear, honestly. Like, it's what I use. So I, I am an obsessed. I was already in a discussion about it this morning with a friend of mine, Clay Howard, about hundred under $100, 1960s-ish, and 70s-ish, because that was the period, uh, solid-state amps. The solid-state kind of, I would have pegged you for a, a tube guy because you are kind of no. classic, but... No, all 100%. And I'm here to tell you, the first Flip album, the Walt Disney album, is is custom amps. The only time I didn't use them was when I was working with Art Alexakis, and which was a curious thing for I Still Love Rock and Roll and Freak. In the control room... He had a Line 6 2x12 amp, which was a brand new thing then. And on top of it, the guys brought in two different Plexi Marshall heads. And I went in to do the guitar that day, and he had me plug into the Line 6. On those two particular songs, I'm playing one of the first versions of a 2x12 yeah. Line 6 modeling amp. When sitting right on top of it were 1960s era Plexi Marshalls. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> well, uh, where was the record recorded? Uh? Um, that was at a place called like 
the Chinese Noodle Factory, which was something like that. It was the name of the studio. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Portland, the Oregon. Uh, oh, the um, new flip record? Too dumb to quit. Sorry. Uh, I, I, no, I, that's okay. My apologies. At Creation Audio with, uh, or I mean Creation Studios with producer John Fields. It sounds very cohesive, like, you know, these songs were written and recorded to be this album. Because um, a lot of lot of artists nowadays, they, 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 they go in and, and do things quick or the one song at a time, go, go to a different studio or something like that. Um, did, oh, you, did, you, did you have everything written and go in and, and like, just classic style, bang it all out? I don't out? know any other way, really, to do it, so I guess so. I guess you would consider that a classic style. The only thing that's changed with... Great. So that, that's a really kind of hard question to answer in one sentence because Greg specifically... Use, and, use two sentences. Use two. <laughs> I'll use both of them. I'm going to use both sentences. Uh, Greg and I have been playing together since like nine, around 1979. So we have a, a never-ending developing, and even though we stopped playing together for a long period of time, it takes right off where we, we have such a history that it's like riding a bike together. It doesn't, no time had passed. It just began to develop probably even a healthier direction that it would have had we not yeah. split up for a while because we both come to certain understandings. I think we're both back to the roots of what we loved about what it is without really clogging it up with a bunch of preconceived bullshit. So it's kind of like starting over again, but only like... God, if I could just go back to high school again. It's almost like that. And Kilo and and Greg and I both have the same thing with Kilo. So um what was the question, even though I know Basically, this like, portion yeah, is what, 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 Did you kind of piecemeal the recording over time, or did you kind of like, once you had all the songs, go into the studio and just finish the whole, do the record? Oh, the, the approach to recording it, too, in the old-fashioned, what you called an old-school way to do it. Yes, we would play the songs live together. A couple of them, one super specifically, but a couple of them came right off the cuff, like literally while we were just standing around, you know, passing a joint, smoke, uh, uh, <laughs> and and kind of making and jamming. You know, like in a, some sort of, you know, a flip version of Deep Purple or Led Zeppelin or something version of the, the how we jam. You know, yeah. Because Greg Kilo and I, like, I was, you know, I can just go off into creative never never land and those guys somehow instinctively know exactly where to go which is a double fold thing because it means what i'm doing making sense makes sense to somebody so it encourages me to keep going it makes me i don't hit a roadblock like also the drummer and bass player don't stop and go what the fuck are you doing man it's like they can play they play right into it which then increases me just to keep to keep a building and they're just on it. And before you know it, they're doing something so good that, you know, they're just covering for me at it almost at some point. So the cohesiveness that's of this album, I don't think is any different than the cohesiveness of, I wish I was a planet. <laughs> Yeah, stay trying and never reality and pop me 
you know, maybe some of the more rocking things. Because, you know, and we got to do our New York Dolls thing. It really wasn't fully represented on the first album. It was when we recorded it in Seattle. But um, is our new love for the New York Dolls. And with What the Fuck, we have a total, like, New York Dolls personality crisis kind of vibe going mm. on on that song. And that's really cool to have been able to do that. I do. I, I like the record a lot. It is very different from previous flip albums uh I, I can jokingly say it almost as if like you guys took a 20-year break and then came back and did this that's i think that that's what happened yeah i know it's that like, is what happened and covid didn't hurt us in that way i gotta oh, be yeah, I suppose. so basically we finished this at what i guess you would at this point you know i'm no weatherologist but or whatever you want to call it germologist but um like, let's revert back to the beginning of the interview, the count to four thing. Yeah. But that being said, uh, most of this uh, stuff was con conceptualized during that time period and then recorded just during to the, towards the tail end of, 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 of it, I guess. And um, so, yeah, it didn't hurt us in that aspect. Now, are you, are you the principal songwriter again? These are mainly your yes. songs? Um, yes. Uh, one thing I was thinking about, uh, you know, kind of relating to my, some of my own experiences is that, like, I struggled being, because I was like the kind of like you with my band Jesus Christ, or I was the guy who wrote all the songs, and yeah, I always I'm tried to tried to please people. Like, it, it felt like I was competing against them, even though they never really were. You know what I mean? Like, uh, do you like the song? And like, it, and then it, uh, I worked with a guy named um, uh, we called him Rev. I got Jesus Christ, I can't remember his real name, but he he was the one who he just. I pointed remember to, somebody named Rev. Either that, that's a common nickname. It could be. I don't, he wasn't with us too long, but he he was the one that kind of pointed out. Is like, well, that's you, you. That's your job. You know, we're here to kind of to work on these things. So it turns out. You know, my question here, Bryn, is did you ever have that kind of feeling like, you know, because you've been kind of the creative force in almost everything you've done, um, the, the the drive the person that drives that, did you ever feel like you almost had to be a people pleaser with the band or you just say, this is it, fuck it if you're having I issue am with a it. natural born people pleaser, first and foremost. So that's uh, all inclusive in my everyday life and everything I do and not. You know, just my band. Mm -hmm. That being said, um, the dynamic that I think that that I perceive in that situation is if I do something that turns cherry on, we'll do it again. Okay, it's that simple. Or kilo for that. You know, not to exclude kilo at all from that. Um, if those two guys get turned on by something I'm doing. We do it, and I, it's kind of great just to have that. You know, you could call it all sorts of fun things, but for the sake of this fun conversation, we'll call it a bullshit meter. Yeah, <laughs> I get that. Editor. Um, and I, I got caught up in what you were saying there. I can't remember where I was segueing to. But if Cherry grabs onto something musically, it usually means he's finding some sort of hooky vocal thing to go with with what I'm trying to do because I'm the world's worst singer in the world and he might be the world's best. <laughs> so it's like this totally stupid thing. So if it's like all something that he can really jump into, it'll definitely put gas in the tank. 
Right on. Uh, what uh, what what inspires you to write songs? Because you know, uh, you get older and, and you're driven by different things. Uh, like do do I do just pop to you, or do you actually sit down and kind of work something out? Or no, the song drives me, and watching where the song is going to end up and best serving it till the very end of its creation is my thing. I love to like have. A concept, I'll have a, maybe a rough concept, like What the Fuck, for instance. Yeah. I had that written down, and I'm like, one day I'm going to write a song called What the Fuck. <laughs> and then another day, I went, God, I want to write a Johnny B. Good song. It was the first song I ever learned on guitar. I love it so much to this day. I'm so glad you said that. I can turn it on anytime. It's one of the very few songs that I can turn on. By Judas Priest, right? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> That's one of the few songs I can leave. That's like the polar opposite that I can leave on for any extended yeah. time. Okay. Um, so that, that intro is somewhat inspired. The whole thing is top okay. right down to the bottom. song and i have this thing called what the fuck okay there's two ideas i can put together and then one day i just start riffing at rehearsal on a and i just start going what the fuck and i just start mumbling whatever's into the microphone and our stage manager johnny mack breaks out his telephone videotapes it and sends it to me the next day and if it's something worthwhile, I have it on my phone. And if Greg and Kilo bring it up the next day, then we jam on it more. I do another little phone video of it that yeah. I take home. And first thing I do is write down what it sounds like I'm saying. I don't think about what it is I want to say. I think about what it is it sounds like I'm trying to say. All right, got it. Uh, the... I don't recall. I I'm pretty sure I'm I'm spot on. But there's more ripping kind of guitar lead work on this record than previous albums. Um, cool. Uh, that was a nice surprise. Uh, cool. Is that you? Is that mono or no? That's all me. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's I shouldn't forgive me. That sounded. Like I understood. Yeah. Onerous. Mono's full Ooh, and clear, owner word. and clear on this album. You know, he did a fantastic freaking job, so I'd never want to diminish that yeah. situation. But yeah, um, so I've done a lot of studio guitar work over the years, and it's just something I guess I've kind of had. And, you know, maybe to be honest, there's a portion of it, 
like Rattling Bones was more based in that direction. I, our New York, Greg and I's, Cherry and I's New York City band um, was more kind of deep purpley, and I did a lot more of that sort of thing. And then with Flip, I kind of just wanted to back away from the more bluesy based, what became called blues based. Yeah. That still doesn't make sense to me at me all. Either, by the way. I would never like hear a blues riff and equate it to that any more than I would so many other things that that title has never sat comfortably with me. But that being said, I, at this point, you know, once again, COVID does come back into it, but, you know, screw the whole thing. And uh, um, I just started jamming a lot more at rehearsal. So it present, you know, we did, I had a lot more, to be honest with you, joint smoking jamming <laughs> going on at rehearsal. And I just started to do it more and you know, Greg would just like, we'd be jamming and he'd look at me and he'd make like lead guitar solo faces while he was playing bass. He'd look at me and go like, jam, dude, do your thing, do that. And he'd even, he can do like physical mannerisms at me that are telling me like, you know, that thing you do that goes, like do that. I can tell he's telling me what to play. And before you know it, it's like, I'm down with this and I'm really down with it because I don't know. I might not be aware, but it appears it's like as though it's not being done much. I could be wrong. <laughs> you know, the whole kind of like soloing thing. Yeah. doesn't seem to be the guitar, the lead guitar solo as a form of a stylistic expression in rock music has become passe to what I'll call guitar dog tricks. Pet tricks. Got it. Uh, there is... Um, the soul is gone. Not gone, but I just... It's, I don't well, witness in, it. In mainstream often. pop music, especially, it seems like the guitar is... Coffee's working. Don't worry, do It seems like the guitar has basically been put up to the side anyway. But Yeah, I just don't hear what I would call a sense of guitar player in guitar recording so much. The one place I definitely did hear it was in, uh, what's Josh Homie's band? Oh, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of the Stone Age, real guitar personality. In yeah. That, you know, really cool um, and not too overblown. Um, of course, we heard it a lot in Soundgarden. That was one of the cool things about the whole Seattle movement, frankly, was there was a lot of personality in those mm -hmm. bands. You could really hear uh, Jerry Cantrell, who is one of Mono's all-time favorites, Eric Vobeda. Uh, he might be the last guitar hero. And, you know, and um, Mike... Um, shit... Mike McCready? Mike McCready, I do work with him. I feel so bad. Uh, total brain fart, coffee, post, interview, weed, brain fart. Mike McCready um, is freaking awesome. I mean, he might be my favorite lead guitar player right now. He is amazing. Just him and Mike Campbell. Mike Campbell from Tom Petty's band. Because he, really a lot does, of people drop his name, but he's solid. It really becomes... He was just in town. Not a matter of what you can or can't do, because the truth is, if you want to sit down with something long enough, you can get to a place where you can do it. And that's why I call them pet tricks, because you're just it's repetitive. It's not really coming from other place. It's 
coming from somewhere else. And I uh, think a lot of that '80s hair metal, the guitar players kind of fall under that 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 description. Probably. You know, I know that's kind of my feel. Like, there's a couple of them that I think really offered something unique. Jazz you know, guitar players fall under that. Yeah, I, I don't know that much about jazz, but uh, so I'm gonna I'll leave them alone. But uh, there's a few country guys that kind of pull that game, but it's like. Whereas I can hear Ace Fraley do a simple band or Paul Kossoff do a single, simple band and like, you know, like you go, it makes you like physically respond. Like you make you make the lead guitar player face and you kind of like you tense your muscles up a little bit. You it's like God, that's badass. You know, and I just not really getting that out of most of them. Okay, I'll shut up now. Well, let's get back to Too Dumb to Quit. Uh, how important is sequencing to you when you when you finish a record? Not critical, but it needs to be looked at. I mean, you want the you want a song that you think works good as a first song, and you want a song that's neat as a last song. Um, I am a fan of the original format where there was a break between side one and two, more than a continuum. I, I like the, when you flipped an album over that act that created an intermission. Yeah. And deciding what, and you really thought maybe you were really doing something when you started it on side two instead of side one. <laughs> you know, I think I like side two better than side yeah, one. Yeah, I definitely had plenty of records growing up. That was the case, you know. You couldn't help but go there, I, you know. Well, you know, it's the natural in your thing in your brain to be combative. So, and to, to to put them in boxes. I think I like side two better than side one. Why do you even bother figuring out which one you like better? But um, do you visually like like you can close your eyes and almost you, your brain puts side one and two in a certain spot for different records? Because to me, like someone, yes, someone, definitely. Yeah. And you wonder if they were made that way. Like side <laughs> two would be mellower. Per se, mm -hmm. like for instance, you know, like I definitely remember records where side two was like, you know, would have three mellower songs on it that weren't on side one. Like I, I, I would put 80s UFO in that category, maybe just off the top of my head or late Thin Lizzy. I think uh, al albums that uh, came out during the CD era. I have a. I, I definitely struggle a little more to recall certain song titles than I do, and then the part of that's age. But a lot of it is that, like, because with a record, you actually look. It would say tra like track one, but it would have the title right next to it. When you got the CD, most CD players were just like track one, track two, and it almost became play the third song. You know what I mean? Oh, but, absolutely, you would do that. But I'll, I'll tell you, with too dumb to uh, to quit. Um, no, this album is going to be a grower for me. I can already tell, but. Side two, that's where it kicks up for me. That's the, honestly the the last five songs. It was starting with track six. Uh, I got the this titles here. We cool. should. I we think should it, actually unreal. The side two start with unreal. Yes, it does. Just go on 
what was that run of songs there? Um, Unreal, In Your Eyes, uh, will, will There Always, always Be Love? Always Be Love, Brand New Day, and Time to Travel. Um, who's singing on Brand New Day, by the way? Is that Cherry? Da, 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 da. We turned the microphone over to Cherry Forever for Brand New Day. Okay, because you almost sounds like it's you doing it a little differently. But Go uh, ahead, go ahead. Plus well, no, ahead. let's talk about Cherry. Now, uh, is that how his uh, family introduces him? As Cherry? Yeah. I'm sure it's happened. <laughs> Cherry can make it happen, girl. That's a really cool song. So, okay, here's a funny joke with Cherry. Oh, I have a, one of the funniest road stories. I think it is the funniest road story of my personal experience with Cherry. But how we knew we should be playing noodling on you can make it happen some more like the next day was i got to rehearsal and cherry looks at me and he goes girl and i went what and he went girl so we all get into the room plug in our stuff he's talking to other people we're all doing he talking doing our thing and uh <laughs> that's how i know to play it some more because he thought girl was funny well that beginning almost has like a baba o'reilly <coughs> kind of vibe to it I don't think I can play and sing. I was gonna like be super like cool and like pick up the guitar and like <laughs> try to sing something really awesome, but I, yeah. I don't know if I have it in me. A photograph of a pretty face in a better time, but everything looks better from the outside. I'm letting go. Yeah, I know It ended in a tragedy Wasted time in misery I know It was time To travel Oh, oh, oh It was time It was time It was time To travel Aw Aw now, God, I have no voice. The, those lyrics, uh, that, that of course is Time to Travel, the last song in the record. Um, I never had a voice. Let's not, let's be honest here. <laughs> you and me both. Um, <laughs> we, uh, uh, the metaphor for, uh, that's, is that a strutter guitar pick? I just grabbed some. It's a skid row guitar pick. Oh. No wonder I was making flubs. Yeah. I should have been playing the. I don't know, Richie remember, Blackmore pick. And I would have made that one flub. You remember them? Copet? Copay? Oh, Nuke Copay music. I had my glasses on. Remember Nuke Copay? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Anyway. But that looks different than that. That's not Nuke Copay. That's Cop. Maybe it's Nuke. K O P E T music. It's got a phone oh, number. Was... We could call it ass. <laughs> no area code either, right? And it says here on there, right underneath the number, that we shouldn't do it quickly or slowly. We should do it at a medium pace. Oh, right on. Okay. I'll keep that in mind with all the aspects of life. Um, That's for the tempo of the song, remember, not the. 
Yeah. So that this is for specifically yeah. medium tempo songs. You you're uh this whole album is kind of a, a little more medium tempo than uh like like is there's that, yeah, I guess. There's no schizo boy, there's no uh no. you know, you're a different well, person. What now. the fuck? By which, the way, I have to tell you, my wife... Which is very kind of hairdo. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it, what I would call novelty, like Schizo Boy. I would, I would ultimately, I think, like if I was looking at it from the outside and it was somebody else, I would say that's their novelty songs. So I guess in that case, yeah, it'd be what the fuck. So my wife loves the fucking song. Um, by the way, she wanted me to say oh, that. Hi, pleases so. me. Yeah, no, she uh, it doesn't suck. She uh, <laughs> that she, goes good with a cup of coffee. She likes to imagine walking onto the sales floor with a theme song, and, and uh, she she's like, I could see this. This is my new theme song. That'd be awesome. Well, I don't know that the, her employer is going to allow that, but uh, well, let's fake it and let's make that and make a <laughs> short little clip. Yeah, I should actually. I can do that. Little slow motion power walk. All right. Um, well, let's get into some of these other tracks. I just uh, like it, it came out yesterday, so forgive me. Uh, I'm going to have to rely on you to be the expert on these things. Um, uh, it opens up with <laughs> God, you. That's it. Good luck with that. You can make it happen. Uh, kind of has a classic flip vibe, but again, it's it's it's. Oh, uh, that's you're like in. You're into way like, towards my favorite for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm just so happy. Well, if I, I had to pick one, it'd probably be Unreal. So happy. Oh, that's cool. But it, it, this is. I can already tell. Like I, 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 when I listen to music now, I kind of know my tendencies. Like sometimes I can tell. Oh, they totally. Sh- they go. I know it's insane, right? Sometimes I hear a record like these three songs I'm going to listen to for the rest of my life, and the rest of this I probably never. And now check you don't want to ever even hear those three songs. Yeah, yet. I, dude, I know it so well, and you feel almost like uninformed that you didn't catch how great these songs were the first time <laughs> through, right? That's how I have felt. Uh, you reminded me of the guitar I got from you. Uh, oh, the uh, black Telecaster yes. with a killer neck. Oh, yeah, my, that's where I was going. I built another guitar, and I kind of wished I had it for a moment in my brain. When I was putting that the guitar together, I'm like, fuck, I kind of wish I had that telly. It's now. my A guitar now. Um, I, I, I've never liked the look or style of Fenders. They just never appealed to me. I don't like single coil. This does have a humbucker in it. That helps. Yeah. Um, but... That neck. It's I'm like, EMG. what, what the cool. fuck was wrong with me? This The, the, the guitar is perfectly balanced. It yes. plays better the than... The Telecaster it. is the Desert Island guitar. There's no two... Nobody could ever argue. It's right down the line. It's like you get part Gibson. It's right down the line. Like if they made the perfect amp that was half Fender and half Marshall, which is so insane. They've Everybody's been trying. Just isn't doable. You're better off buying one of each. And uh, but, the te- <laughs> but the Telecaster... Uh, literally bridges the gap like so perfectly. It's just great. I mean, you can play. Any, God, they're great. It's the perfect guitar. And dude, you can get them any day on your local Craigslist for uh, under a uh, for under for under for. I'm trying to put the word under and one hundred together for under one hundred dollars. And you, I grew up in an era too where you would like my first guitar. The action was probably <laughs> I, I think it was like yes. three thumbs off the neck. You know, it's just like, and it in a way I'm almost glad I went through that because no I, question, you know. But at the same time, I traded for the world. It was around 1990. It seemed like they figured out how to fucking make a guitar that was actually playable and cheap. 
you know, and uh, I don't or know. Or they if, just did, finally did. Yeah. Yeah, some, yeah you're right. Something happened big uh, time. But probably an, it's probably a manufacturing and or, um, you know what it was, dude? The baby boom. Yeah. That's what it was. was All of a sudden you had Japanese. a mass audience. <laughs> All of a sudden there was more people interested in it than there ever had been before simply yeah. because there was more people. Well, the 80s did kind of spawn uh, absolutely a lot of guitar kind of, you know. And I would say I would still put that in the baby boomers. Sure. You know, the wave that created by the baby boomers, no question about it. Um thank goodness for that. I think that has a lot to do with you know, the whole audience almost, uh, the real rock and roll. Do new people come in and out? Yeah, but, you know, the core audience of rock and roll is really kind of based off of the baby boomer time frame. Uh, Too Dumb to Quit is out and available everywhere streaming, obviously. Uh, You have CDs available uh, through Bandcamp? Yeah, everything will be available from from digital downloads to... freaking vinyl and the vinyl is going to be really cool i believe there's game pieces coming with the vinyl in the form of like individual guitar picks oh there's the kiss influence i guess the package all the crap yes i always thought that was cool alice cooper was the first guy i was ever aware of fair enough yeah we're with uh billion dollar babies with the dollar bill and the breakout cards and of course the beatles did it i mean kiss weren't the first but they were the best there's no two ways about it as far as putting the the freebies in there, yeah, like, no question. Treating it like a box of cereal, yeah, yeah, that's a good. I was going with Cracker Jacks, but I like the cereal analogy better. Crack, same thing. Yeah. Cracker Jacks was probably first. I'll bet cereal got it from Cracker Jacks, right? <laughs> I mean, if we think about it just for a second, wouldn't cereal or Cracker Jacks been first, like at the base? Yeah, it had to be. Yeah, then cereal went. Hey, you know that? Do you know Cracker Jacks doesn't that, put anything in there now? No, I didn't know that, but I. I I don't have any problem with Cracker Jacks. I think they're delicious. (laughs) We really need to break down this Cracker Jack thing. Well, I'm just going to remind you that I did not. I mean, I want to be clear on this, really clear. I did not smoke pot on the way here. Okay. So that it that and how that has nothing to do with why Cracker Jacks are appealing to me right now. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, the the whole title "Too Dumb to Quit." I think anybody that has gotten into music, played music, and stuck with it kind of <laughs> can relate. You know, it, it, it's a very relatable title uh, because I think about that myself too. You know, I run into some of my old friends from back when I was actually more active in in, in playing in bands. Yeah, and it's just like we're we're kind of the same fucking person. You know, nothing's really. We're older, maybe married, maybe kids, but really nothing else. It's, it's like the the. the I know it's almost interesting, isn't it? Yeah, how it's managed to keep us this pulled into it. Yeah. You know, like all of a sudden becoming a fan of fishing or golf or whatever. There are certain things that pull you in all the way. Yeah, and yeah. That's, I, it's interesting that you you use those analogies, fishing and golfing, because I, I actually use those words to surfing is a great one. <laughs> Amy, uh, like well, I, you, you've been down in my basement. I have a little recording yes. studio down there. Um, but when I work on music, the podcast not so much, but music, like I'll be, be just be editing or, or you know getting into the, the stages of of working on a song, getting it to where I want to master it or whatever. I'll be down there for fucking hours. Oh no question, and it's I so was, enjoyable. Well, right, but it, you get it draws you in almost like a casino. You lose track no of time. No question. 
Um, oh, that's a good analogy, just like a casino. <laughs> that is what it's like. Your tunnel vision, I, I feel like a horse with the uh, blinders on where I literally am so focused in. Yeah. To it, or I, I always wondered if let women who crochet or knit or almost video game esque. If I watch myself editing audio and I race to hit stop before and get it back as yeah. quick as I can and grab my guitar as fast as I can, and this, it's I don't think it's a whole lot different than drive it around the corner, shoot the guy with the money. <laughs> you know, I think it's kind of the same. Yeah. I'll bet the same chemical release in your brain. Uh, look at the two of us. So all of a sudden our eyebrows are perked up a little higher. It's just like you, you feel that adrenaline. And But I, I used, I told my I wife. I was editing video this morning before I came over. <laughs> all right. On. Yeah. But I told Amy, like, I don't hunt. I don't fish. This is what I do. Yes. If anything, you know, it's kind of a bonus for you because you know right where I'm at. I'm just downstairs. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's kind of annoying when you go to bed alone and I show up four hours later. But, uh, you know. I'm the other way. I love editing really early in the morning when nobody else is awake. Okay. And then they get up, and I stay up for a little while. Then I take a nap. They start <laughs> their day. Then I wake up a couple hours later, and I go back to it. Yeah. Well, right. <laughs> I forgot. We, we went from Cracker Jacks to that. So, yes. Uh, oh. uh, I, and I didn't have, like you, any marijuana today. Uh. <laughs> yeah, well, I got nothing for that. Other than I'm looking at a display case in the corner here. It's got the Kiss Lunchbox yeah. with Thermos, the Kiss Viewmaster, and these things are in, look like they're in really good shape. A collection of the Kiss cards. I'm going to guess it's a full set. I am seeing the Kiss on Tour board game. That'd be interesting to compare to the Flip <laughs> Too Dumb to Quit game. I had more fun with this. <laughs> oh, that. Uh, the flip game was based on the Beatle game, Flip Your Wig, mm. oddly enough. And we even discussed about calling the album Flip Your Wig, believe it or not. Oh. And it was like, no, uh, who's going to do it? Yeah, they, yeah then we thought, well, maybe Flip Your Lid. And we're just like, no, it's, everything's too close. Really didn't last much more than as long as I just had said it just now. But we did think about it. And, and then I just... You know, I mentioned Flip Too Dumb to Quit, and everybody's like, yes, perfect, it's a board game. You're too dumb to quit, just like rock and roll. It's a, just a metaphor, and it, that, and it's just things, those things just fell onto each other. Who shot the photo? That's really a nice picture. Thank you. Blake Bogdanovich, it's like untouched, total raw photo, nothing done to it. I believe a little bit of color correction, but I don't even think that. I think the the guy's such a good, real old school photographer from L.A. He's done tons of album covers, tons of shit that you know of. Uh, oh, all the first Kiss reunion '96 shit, like with the bird mm. and all that. That's all Blake. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah. So, um, and he's from here. Then moved to L.A. for. 40 years, I think, or something, then I ended up moving back, and he shot that for me. That looks great. And, yeah, really, what's really cool about it is the anything you see done to the photo that most people of this day and age are accustomed to that happen in a post-production uh, uh, fashion, this wasn't done that way. This was done with the camera, old school, and then really hard, no post-production done to the photograph after it was taken 
uh, was just popped down there and framed. And Ky, my brother Kai Arns devi- uh, designed the album cover. I don't take any credit for it other than I hired Blake. I put the team together. Um, you know, asked Kai if he wanted to do it because I knew it was right up his alley. Yeah. I had the concept, too dumb to quit. I had the board game concept. I had, all, you know, Blake in line, and everybody loved the idea, and that's it right here. I'm super happy with it, and because it sucks to put, you know, to put on an album that you're not happy of the name. Like later on, God, I hate the name of that album. Why did I name it that? Because I have that feeling towards volume. Yeah, because out of the four album titles uh, that were delivered for that to be chosen from, they chose that one. Well, and, do you remember the other three? Um, Binder Gun, Finger Bang. You want another cup? No, okay. I've had too much. Okay. I, it's really a reflex. Of my, oh, gotcha. Right. Finger Bang. <laughs> the best of the worst of. Yeah. Flip Alive 2, T-O-O. Now, you mentioned the, the best of the worst stuff. No, I'm uh, making just those up on the spot. Um, I think you kind of forecasted the, the general tone of this record with the, the, with the was it the ride? That, that was the new Yeah, I, yeah uh, that was the first. That kind of, because that's a little mellower than, than a lot of the, the, the classic Maybe. Flip, flip stuff. Yeah. Um, by the way, the record sounds fucking pristine. Uh, I'm talking about Too Dumb to Quit. Uh, the mix is just, it, it's just a, a joy to listen to. I can't wait for the vinyl, to be honest with you. John Fields is no slouch. And, dude, those are first or second takes of a song, usually a second mm-hmm. take because a microphone was being adjusted, of the whole band with no punching in, no fancy cakes, no uh-huh. nothing. There were a few overdubs on a few of the songs. But, I mean, the basic track, even of everything, was just first or second take, boom, boom, boom. So it's not like there's a bunch of uh, voodoo going on at all. That's really what you get with the chemistry that Flip has. Uh, Promote yourself, Bryn. Google Flip, too dumb to quit. More links will come up than you care to know about. I'm not going to give you a specific one to click on. When is Flip? Are you bringing FlipCentral.com back? (laughs) (laughs) That would be great, actually. I wouldn't hate if a retro, uh, if that came back up just for people to look at, just as a silly, like, no, that would be cool. Now I Randy, like Randy idea. did all that, right? Yeah, that would be yeah, it'd be awesome if Randy did that. Oh, freaky, freaky, <laughs> useless from Flip. Oh, God. He played on. I still love rock and roll and freak and yeah, that's all freaky on that. You know, that's an interesting point because this is Greg's first. Uh, well, Cherry, uh, Cherry Forever. Uh, this is his first record back since the first one, right? Lead vocal? No, no. I was, he, he was on the first album, but wasn't it? Uh... Yeah, but a ton of Blow It Out Your Ass, our third album. He's on a ton of that because a lot of that was recorded before it came okay. out. And we put out the EP flip live in a cereal box. Oh, sure. That's why I call it. That's a hard one to call, but um, it was super cool. Um, so, yeah, no, he was on a ton of that. But, yeah, since then, you are correct. He didn't play. No, he, he, he didn't play ever on since volume. The reu- you guys reunited, though. He's been back. He but, didn't yeah. play on volume, and he didn't do all the touring that took place during all that time period. Yeah. Well, but I had played with him up until that point, for, like I said earlier, from like 1979. So when he showed up today, when he showed up that day to rehearsal, 
And we were literally going on two or two or three days later with, I believe it was Cheap Trick. For some reason, Stone Temple Pilots keeps coming to my brain. I'm not 100% sure which one it is. And he came up shaking and said, this is it. This is the end of the line for me. I can't do anymore, which I immediately thought was really weird because things were just starting to go really well. And uh, But I turned to him and I said, dude, I've been playing with you since 1979. Whatever you need to do is totally cool with me. I'll take care of my end. You just do whatever you got to do. Uh, I, I can't, like, criticize you for this decision, and I'm not going to. And uh, that was that. And Freak Useless, who was then our drum tech at the time, because I knew he could play drums as well as bass. Uh, he played one Kilo, show, didn't he? Because Kilo was going to have a baby. There we go. Kilo was going to have a baby, so we hired a drum tech that could. And I think kind of freaky kind of end up stage managing, basically. And, uh, yeah. So when that happened, I'm like, dude, step on in. Let's jam. <laughs> Want to jam? You know, the weird, it's something with your bass players because, like, you know, Cherry, like, until you guys reunited, I only had that image of him from back in the day. And he was, you know, obviously had long hair, did more of an androgynous, yeah. look, that kind of thing. Same with Freaky. Uh, I, I actually had him on the podcast last summer, and I only... I cannot see that guy in the in Cherry from like yeah. 1999, and same with Freaky. He's sitting right in front of me, and I'm like, I don't fucking see anything. It's like the face, nothing. It's not just the hair. It's like it's just they're, they're that's cool. They're fucking chameleons. That's friend. cool. How about <laughs> me? How about yeah, me? How do I? You stick out like you probably you look like this when you were born. I'm, I I'm guess. guessing your, your hair is out. And you're, you're just, I guess. Uh, although you know what, the pictures of you from the I'm obsession days. Are, are a little uh, like it's like I'm like oh that's him you know it takes me a second you know yeah but God I look like my son in those not to get silly yeah. but yeah good well, Lord I see some of those pictures and I go holy crap it looks like Felix Felix that's a Felix yeah. Larue I like that yeah. yeah I you know I have this strange thing for picking baby names which is i say them to myself like a baseball announcer and if they come back good i i like that name like felix larue larue and i go oh yeah that works <laughs> daisy love love day yes that works well this has been a lot of fun i hope People listening to this are convinced to give the, the new record a, a couple spins. Like you said, we are just basically in that day and age now where it's just, just fucking type it into Google. You'll find what you're looking for. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I'll make sure people know when the vinyl comes out. We have a decent amount of our listeners are vinyl collectors. So. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. As everybody knows, there's the vinyl. Everybody knows, right? You know, the vinyl hold up, it takes... Oh, right. It takes a really long time to get your vinyl delivered to you. There are new factories opening up all the time, which I also looked into doing. I'm like, if there's so many and nobody can do it, how do we open one? You know, it just seems obvious to me. And, yeah, and Jack White uh, owns one, and he actually uh, recently put out like a a very succinct 30-second message where he's, he's, he asked like major record labels like, build your own plants. Go back to the way it was. This yeah. is clearly not going away. You know, because he's like, anybody can come to him. He's like, my company will print. We'll do it for anybody. 
but I actually am asking the the big record labels, let's let's put some money into this and get it taken care of. So totally, it, it is kind of silly, but uh, it's like yes, okay, freaking awesome. All right, uh, well, thank you again so much for your time, and uh, everybody check out the the new flip record, Too Dumb to Quit. Uh, and I'll also recommend go back check out their whole history if you're not familiar with them. Uh, just a great band. Uh, if for people new to it that didn't, I'll have some snippets in here, but uh, very much like a hard rock cheap trick vibe to some of your earlier stuff. Uh, this record to me is probably more in line with that comparison. But you brought up a couple uh, things that I hadn't thought about, like the New York Dolls thing with. What the There's fuck? always been a doll vibe. The one, that, yeah, yeah, uh, you know, because you have more of a punk kind of approach than Cheap Trick, I think. Well, that's hard to say because God, that first album is so raucous. But uh, and now the '97 album, some of that stuff is so, you know, for lack of a better term, punk. But maybe, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the best comparison I've ever heard which works right into what you're speaking, uh, is Cheap Trick meets the Sex Pistols. I would say that describes us very well. And I think what he, uh, Jason is referring to is, you know, it, it might be a cliche, but it is a more mature sound. Mm-hmm. Um, right? Mature. Mature. Yeah. You know? yeah. That's not too far from manure. No, it's not. <laughs> or teat. Or, but being in Minnesota, we're never too far from manure. So. No. So, but, you know. <laughs> there you have it. Again, it's always you know I always enjoy your conversation. It was really a, a, a nice surprise to run into you in Nashville last summer too. That was awesome. Um, so got to hang with you for a little bit there, but uh, I had a really good time at that thing actually. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's Off-Track Betting. Go to BedfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.